Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I'm a very tired and oftentimes overwhelmed autism warrior mom who has navigated the ups and downs of this puzzling disorder for 16 years and counting. My hope when creating this podcast was that it would serve as a vessel for connecting families with special needs children so we may share experiences and resources. But even more importantly, I want to create a community of support for one another through the tough times, which we know there can be many, and to celebrate the achievement of milestones, big and small, of our amazing kids. So thanks again for joining me on this journey and for tuning in for this episode of Living the Sky Life. I'm so excited for my guest today, Robert Colbert. His wife, Kate, was on the episode last week, and she shared with us what it's like um, for a neurotypical spouse to be married to someone on the spectrum. So on today's episode, Robert gives his take on what it's like with someone with Asperger's being married to a neurotypical spouse. So we get the other side of the coin today. Um, Robert is an accomplished IT professional, and he was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome in his early 40s. He shares with us how his diagnosis has changed his view of himself and how he views the neurotypical world that he lives in. Enjoy this episode. I have the great opportunity this morning to speak with Robert Colbert. He is the spouse of Kate Colbert, who I had on the episode prior. Um, So Robert, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, We are talking today um, with Robert. Robert uh, was diagnosed with Asperger's um, in his adult years. And so I thought it would be very interesting to get the perspective of Um, We already got Kate's perspective of of a spouse being married to someone on the spectrum, Um, but I wanted to get Robert's take on his diagnosis and just life in general and social situations and all kinds of things um, from uh, the perspective of someone with Asperger's. Um, So Robert, as I understand it, you were in your 40s um, when your wife suggested consulting a doctor and whether you might have ADD. I think that's how the whole diagnosis came to be. Is that correct? Yeah, that is how it all began. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about um, what it was like to make that discovery and and have that conversation when Asperger's came up in in that appointment. Uh, Well, it was actually uh, post-ADD diagnosis. I was uh, seeing just a therapist because my psychiatrist was a little too expensive for regular visits. And uh, we were just having a, just a standard conversation about um, who I, who I thought I was and where um, I felt my personality came from and who, what, what I drew inspiration from just in day-to-day life. And we happened to talk about uh, the fact that when I was little, that um, I tended to relate more closely to um, the Star Trek characters that were um, very logical. So um, uh, amusingly enough, if you watch the show Young Sheldon and his, uh, his affinity for Mr. Spock, um, I had a very similar affinity to that character. And then later in the uh, Next Generation series, Mr. Data. Huh. Uh, and when I when I mentioned that to my therapist, um, he uh, brought up the possibility of Asperger's, 
and that uh, we discussed it further and uh, he became more confident that I was on the spectrum in in some fashion. Uh, he was uh, careful to to point out that uh, because we were this was a very new relationship that he didn't want to uh, to scare me with a label. Uh, so he wanted to he he was delicate in bringing it up and uh, we talked more about it and uh, I came to feel more comfortable with the idea that I was on the spectrum uh, and used used my learning of um, the autism spectrum disorders in general and Asperger's more specifically um, and started looking at my my life growing up and seeing places where I didn't understand what happened in situations that suddenly made a little bit more a little bit more sense when I looked at them through the the lens of someone on the spectrum. Is that something that you wish you would have known at an earlier age? Maybe it would have provided more context about just the, the situations and, and the way that you fit in socially and academically with others, or do you think that doesn't make a difference? Um, <clears throat> In when, when I was growing up, um, even though autism or the the Asperger's diagnosis hadn't actually hadn't actually existed yet, um, my school did a really good job of sort of grouping uh, students together who exhibited what could have been the beginning signs of Asperger's. Um, so my peer group was all. Was, was all seeded with people who uh, developed socially and um, academically at a very, very similar rate. Uh, so I don't know that it would have made a whole lot of difference having the vocabulary during my childhood development. Um, although I've always been um, more of a loner personality and that's fairly common for people on the spectrum in general. Mm -hmm. uh, so. I didn't, I didn't really try to integrate with the neurotypical kids that were in this in my class with me. Um, so having the vocabulary may have helped me feel more comfortable integrating outside of my peer group, but I don't think that it made a whole lot of difference to me personally at the time. Gotcha. Well, Kate had mentioned to me in a conversation we had um, months ago about um, attending a wedding. I don't know if it was a family wedding or a friend wedding of yours, um, and that you uh, spoke with several of your friends from school, um, and that I think she had said that you made the connection that a lot of your friends um, might also, kind of just as you mentioned, had have been on the spectrum as well. Um, you guys started relating a lot of things uh, while you were gathering at that wedding. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about or does that ring a bell to you? Um, yeah, yeah, we were, we went to, a, we went to Florida for a wedding of one of my um, neurotypical friends. Um, and, but she was also friends with many of my peers um, who were in the, the same gifted program that I was in. Um, and while we were there, we were just having uh uh, just a friendly reunion. And I mentioned that I had recently at that point been diagnosed with Asperger's and uh, 
the the bride mentioned that her uh, ex-husband was also had been diagnosed with Asperger's and he was one of the one of the men in the peer group uh, I had when I was in school. Well, that's interesting. So you're, you're clearly not um, having any issue with, um, you, you have a comfortability with the label and, and letting people know. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you don't walk up people on the street and say, hey, <laughs> I have Asperger's, but I mean, in a, in a conversation in a work setting or anything else, um, are you comfortable sharing that information when it, it comes up and it's necessary? Or is that something that you keep to yourself other than with close friends and relatives? I'm actually very, very comfortable discussing it, um, but I try to uh, look at the situation and and decide whether or not there's any benefit to it. I understand. So, uh, what what I've learned is that um, there are there if there's a if you're in a situation where there can be accommodations made, uh, so uh, a student who needs extra time or needs a quiet area because they have the sensory processing uh, difficulties of someone on the spectrum, uh, then it's it's critically important to have those conversations to to get those kinds of accommodations made. But because there is still such a a stigma around uh, autism in general, and uh, it's not if there's no benefit to be gained by by wearing the label then I don't bring it up. Makes sense. I understand that. Um, I know you are quite successful in your career um, and you work in um, IT uh, for your profession. Is that right? Yes. Is that, would you f feel that um, Asperger's is, is pretty common in that profession? Have you met other people in your, in your job or in your, in your work life that um, potentially are on the spectrum or have Asperger's as well? Um, I don't know that I've necessarily met any, anyone that was clearly on the spectrum. Uh -huh. uh, however, uh, it's much more prevalent to see businesses, the, the major tech and the major tech companies really starting to embrace um, the community of people who are on the spectrum because they, they see that um, there is a, a benefit to them uh, where innovation can come, and innovation and focus that are often tied to some of the Asperger or autism traits can really benefit them. Um, I know that uh, both Microsoft and Google have programs uh, specifically celebrating the autism spectrum and how uh, people on the spectrum can bring new ideas or new ways of thinking into their lines of business to help them um, be more successful. That's neat. I didn't know that. I've never heard anything like that. What a huge benefit to them as a company to, to highlight that. That's phenomenal. What do you think drew you to um, information technology as a career? What is it about, is it the mathematics of it, the, the science of it that you really are passionate about? Um, it's, it's really more the, the discovery okay. and the learning. Um, 
I knew from childhood that I was going to end up being some kind of engineer. Um, when I was in grade school, one of the first uh, sort of um, career project reports I ever did was for uh, laser engineering. Uh, but I, I, I didn't go into optics, I, but I did keep engineering in, in the back of my mind. Um, and I was always fascinated with uh, radios and computers. So that just became uh, the natural evolution of things uh, from my life and career. Uh, when I got my opportunity to uh, be an apprentice for electronic engineering, I jumped at that opportunity and uh, rode that through my associate's degree. And then that turned into a computer science sort of uh, focus uh, without the computer science degree behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the benefit of a lot of IT related uh, jobs, at least when I was entering the field, is that because computers in corporate America were still so new, uh, an education in computer science was not critical. Yeah. Uh, it was it was very much a learn as you go and show your show your aptitudes through experience. So. Uh, I was able to, to start in a field where uh, my electronic engineering skills were useful and then uh, move into uh, IT web design uh, and then later into um, solution engineering and uh, architecture. I would imagine you had some pretty strong mentors along the way too who were instrumental in guiding you into the direction you wanted to take. Um, I did. I had uh, my my uh, the Meister in my apprenticeship program. Uh, still, I still hear his voice whenever I'm uh, working on a project, and I want to just give give a, give the job get the job done. And I don't really want to care about how what the quality is. And uh, he's always in the back of my mind uh, saying, "Good enough is not good enough." <laughs> It's amazing how that sticks with you, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. In in it in the German accent behind it, um, just <laughs> drives it home. I can imagine. <laughs> um, let's shift to um, a little bit about pop culture. Um, I'm just intrigued by um, pop culture and just the um, social interactions, I guess, uh, of being an Aspie. Um, you brought up the Big Bang Theory. Um, and uh, young Sheldon and some of those things. So you would say that, um, you know, it, that you kind of emulate to that character or that character resonates with you, I guess. Um, Sheldon's character in that show. Uh, yeah. Um, when, when we first started watching the Big Bang Theory, uh, I hadn't actually been diagnosed yet. Oh, okay. So, um, it was just a, a fun sitcom of uh, a couple quirky guys and the cute girl next door. Mm -hmm. uh, but after I, after I got my diagnosis and started actually seeing the world the way that neurotypicals might see it, 
because I was looking at it through a, a filter of what Asperger's tends to um, distort. Uh, I started to notice that uh, the the main characters of Leonard and Sheldon uh, are relate more closely to to the way I see the world and the way that the world tends to treat me, mm-hmm. whether or not it's whether it's deliberate or not. Uh, the the one thing that I'm I loved about the show was that uh, the the com- Asperger's community actually wrote reached out to the writers and to the creator about Sheldon and and told and they're like why we're we're happy that he's on the spectrum um why did you guys why did you decide to do that and what was amazing was that they wrote back and said we have no idea what what the Asperger's what Asperger's is this just happens to be the character we developed and he has it we we've looked into it and he has a lot of these traits but that was never our design that was never by that was never by design that was never the, their intention mm-hmm. to have a show about um someone on the spectrum in science with a roommate who had to learn how to cope with someone who was um, a lot further on the quirky side of the spectrum than than he was. I thought I had read somewhere and, that um, isn't the actor that plays Sheldon. Isn't he also Asperger's? Doesn't he have Asperger's too? I don't know. I thought that I had I, saw an interview with that, but but I may be wrong. Um, but I think he said when he was given that script and and inter, um, interviewed, auditioned for that role, that um, it just really really stuck with him because. It, it just felt like himself that made the most sense for him to play that character. But um, I'll have to look and see if that's accurate or not. <laughs> I thought for sure that he um, had Asperger's in some way, shape or form. Well, it, I mean, it's entirely possible. Um, just, like, uh, just like the rest of the autism spectrum disorders, Asperger's is in itself a spectrum of personality traits. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can be more or less on the spectrum than uh, than anyone. Um, my my therapist is very very kind in saying that I am just barely on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that the way that I view the world is not the way that most people do. So um, I'm I'm comfortable being on the spectrum. Um, but I am, uh, I, I don't have some of the, the personality traits that make it harder to integrate. Right. Or not, at least not the severity of those traits that make it harder to integrate. Mm-hmm. Well, um, your wife mentioned, um, she ca- kind of calls herself an Aspie spouse in training. Um, <laughs> she said, you know, she's still learning how to understand and communicate, you know, the best way with you. And I imagine it goes both ways and you're, you're always figuring out the best way to, to navigate a conversation or a social situation with her. Um, is that something that is, it gets better over time or do you find that there are a lot of challenges in communicating your feelings or, um, you know, not being, 
matter of fact, I guess, with your statements and things like that. Um, is, is that a struggle for you guys in a relationship to, to communicate? Um, it's, it's been a struggle. Um, prior to, prior to uh, us learning about Asperger's and um, there were certainly hurt feelings um, because uh, I tend to be um, direct and relatively blunt. And if you're not expecting that kind of reaction, um, it, can, it can come across as hurtful, even though it's not meant to be. Mm -hmm. um, the other challenge is that I tend to like to know what I'm going to say before I start speaking. <laughs> yes. So there can be uncomfortable silences. Well, uncomfortable for other people. Um, while I try to, to form the, the thoughts that I want to say. And uh, when, you're, when you're in a relationship with someone who, who speaks for a living mm -hmm. uh, or, or writes words for other people for a living, um, not knowing what you're going to say it causes those uncomfortable silences to a degree that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Or maybe, maybe other people expect, but I did not. Mm -hmm. So is it mainly just answering questions that it's not quick enough or it's, um, or you answer it with a very quick yes or no um, and not much elaborating and she wants more elaboration <laughs> on what you're saying or what you're feeling? All of the above. <laughs> yes. Um, do you find emotions are hard for you to, to express how you're feeling if you're upset or if you're you know, sad or angry or any of those things? Um, uh, what, I, what I've discovered about myself is uh, that I have the full range of emotion that any neurotypical person would have. They may not be as elevated as far as, as, far as the intensity at times, um, but what I've learned is that I don't have the vocabulary to describe them. So uh, the, the, the major strong emotions, oh, I, I know those. Uh, I certainly get frustrated and upset and angry. And those, those uh, bubble over and uh, can color my, my words in ways that I don't necessarily intend. Uh, but the the subtler emotions even even happiness is sometimes difficult to to really uh grasp in the moment and put words to and i have to reflect on to to identify whether or not i really am or was happy in that moment okay so you don't is is it difficult for you to say that you're happy without feeling all of those emotions and, and identifying exactly that that's the emotion that you want to say? Like, do you have trouble labeling it if you're not 100% in with feeling that all of those feelings? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I think the difficulty comes in identifying the particular color of emotion. Okay. Uh, not necessarily the 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 broader the broader term for for an emotion. So happiness can be so many different types of happiness, mm -hmm. uh, 
And I'm, I can identify that I'm happy, but what exactly is making me happy at that particular moment or um, what kind of happy it is, uh, is not necessarily something I can, can quantify uh, easily. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, it would be Christmas time, you know, since we just celebrated Christmas the other day. Um, is that overwhelming for you to be around a lot of family and a lot of chaos? It seems usually with lots of gift opening and people just having an array of emotion and all of that. Do you prefer to just be a little bit more isolated? Like you said, you know, you pretty much preferred to be, you know, on your own and not in, in huge social gatherings. Um, is are those holidays and with big family gatherings difficult for you, or do you just kind of get through it and <laughs> you're 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 fine with it? Uh, it it really depends on the gathering. Okay. Um, the the my Kate and I uh, do small holiday parties with her family, uh, and those are are usually five or ten people, and it's. Because um, Kate's family has uh, just a few kids on uh, her mother's side of the family, uh, the gift opening is pretty subdued because there's <laughs> only a couple kids opening gifts. Yeah, uh, and and the the grownups don't give gifts to each other anymore. So the 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 mayhem of unwrapping hundreds of presents is gone. Um, but I grew up in a family with five ki- with four kids. Okay. So, so the the mayhem of of unwrapping presents has always been there, mm-hmm. and it actually doesn't bother me uh, for gift openings uh, where I know that there are are some people on the spectrum who have sensory difficulties trying to to process all of the the colors and sounds and textures that are going on around them, and it's overwhelming. Um, where I run into those kind of sensory issues are in large gatherings. And uh, so, uh, or where there are a lot of people that I don't necessarily know, and I have to try to, I try to come up with conversation starters or continuances of conversations that um, unfortunately don't really hold much interest to me. Gotcha. And in, in typical, typical, uh, autism or Aspie fashion, if it doesn't interest me, you're not going to get much of my attention. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) So do you have a lot of conferences you have to go to for your, for your position, um, for work and things like that, where you're mingling with other, um, IT professionals? Um, I try to go to one conference a year. Okay. Um, not, not because more than one conference is hard to handle, but more because, uh, one conference is really all the company would prefer to pay for per person. Uh, so far, the the conference I've attended the most is the is the Microsoft conference uh, that happens annually uh, for IT professionals and uh, developers. And uh, for whatever reason, that that conference doesn't overwhelm me, um, though when you've got that many people all trying to get into uh, conference halls and uh, sessions, there is not as much chit chat 
and yeah. just random mingling. So uh, a lot of, there is quite a bit of, of visual stimulus and, and noise overload. Um, but one of the things that, that I learned was how to block out a lot of that random noise uh, so that I'm not overwhelmed by what's going on around me so much that I can't, that I can't function. Um, I mean, I guess in general, what do you, what do you wish that people that are listening that don't understand Asperger's in general, um, what do you wish that they understood about Asperger's? Well, I, I, what I would love for everyone to understand and about, um, autism spectrum disorders in general um, in social situations is that no matter how rude or inappropriate something comes across, it was most likely not intended that way. Uh, I've been known to say things that were completely logical in the moment to me, uh, but uh, after a quick kick to the shin, I'm informed that that was a horribly rude thing to say. <laughs> does that, do you think, does that go into some of the, the processing before you answer a question or before you make a statement? Are you running it through in your mind um, at all of how it's going to be received? Or are you simply just processing the correct words that you wanted to say to make your point? Uh, it, it depends on the situation. Um, if I ran everything I was going to say through back to myself and looking at it from a, the lens of how it's going to be perceived, I would never say a word. <laughs> no, probably a lot of us wouldn't. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I don't know that that's just an Asperger's um, um, suggestion. It's just, I think a lot of us are blunt and don't realize the way that it comes out. The tone is everything and, and being direct. So, I mean, I think we could all, <laughs> benefit from a little bit of tweaking what we say but but i understand what you're saying i think kate mentioned also um on her episode a couple of instances where um she maybe spoke in figure of speech or sarcasm or something um about doing the dishes or something she left the house and said it'd be nice if if someone did the dishes and she came back and the dishes weren't done and she said that she told you to do them and you said you, no, you didn't. And she said, I did. I said, it'd be nice if someone did the dishes. And you said, it would be nice if someone did the dishes. <laughs> That's not telling me to do the dishes. So I would imagine being direct with you is also the best way to, to receive information. And if, if I want you to do something, or if someone on the spectrum with Asperger's, I, I intentionally want a task to be completed, I have to be very specific with what I ask of you. Was that fair? That, yes, <laughs> that, that, that is absolutely fair. Um, we, we tend to focus on um, routines and specific tasks. So uh, make us a list. Tell us exactly what you want done. If you can, tell us how you want it done. Uh, don't, don't imply that you'd like something done. Don't try to beat around the bush because we will completely miss it. And you'll come back and be upset that nothing got that nothing on your list got done because your list was written for uh, someone who's neurotypical 
and our list was written for someone who is not. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I think I need to use that tactic with my husband anyway. So I need to be very specific. I speak in sarcasm a lot and I speak in figures of speech a lot. So I'm sure that's probably why a lot of things don't get done the way that I ask because I'm not very specific. So I note to self. Um, what would you um, say to parents or pediatricians or teachers? Um, what would you want them to know about delaying an autism diagnosis until adulthood? Maybe there are people listening that perhaps think their child might have Aspie um, or might be an Aspie or on the spectrum in some way, but they're kind of just dismissing it um, as maybe quirky behavior or whatever, and they are afraid in maybe some way to get the diagnosis. Would you have any suggestions um, for, for any parents out there thinking that their child might be on the spectrum, but they they just don't really want to get the diagnosis? Well, I think I think any diagnosis at the end of the day is a gift. Um, you come away knowing something about yourself that you didn't know before that can help you understand things that may not have made sense. Um, that, that said, because uh, autism has such a negative social connotation, um, that's a, it's a really important conversation that needs to be handled delicately. Um, I think that had, had it been known when I was younger, I mean, even just as recently as 20 years ago, had I known, um, I would have been more aware and probably better equipped for uh, social situations than I was at the time. Uh, my, my friends used to make fun of me when I would get flirted with at, uh, at a subway restaurant, subway sandwich shop. And being an Aspie, I was completely oblivious to the flirtation. And they would make fun of me as we left the restaurant about, oh, well, why didn't you get her number? She was clearly into you. I'm like, she was? <laughs> yes, for sure. If, and if, I, if I'd had a diagnosis, if I had known that I was uh, socially prone, uh, prone to be socially unaware of situations like that, I might have been able to be more vigilant in looking out for them and maybe had a few more dates. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would have changed any um, of the early relationship with your wife? Um, if would you, was that something you would have let her know when you started dating, if you had known, um, you know, like, listen, uh, expect this because I'm blunt and expect this because, you know, I'm Aspie and I can't help it. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, it might have, uh, it might have better explained some of the, the situations that we had early in our relationship uh, that could have ended badly for us. Mm -hmm. um, but fortunately, she was uh, forgiving and uh, didn't, didn't uh, drop me like a hot rock. <laughs> it sounds like you guys have a great relationship. And there's a lot of give and take and a lot of understanding, which is all anyone can ask. And I think, you know, one of the points she made too is that your relationship works so well um, because you met, you both were independent and you both were successful in your own right and you met later in life. Um, but had you guys met 
um, you know, really young ages, right out of college, where a, a relationship needs a lot of maybe emotional um, attention and just the things that maybe you aren't able to give that she doesn't know that that would work at you know as a as a young female who needs a lot of reassurance on things um so i would i would hope that maybe people listening that have children on the spectrum with asperger's that they also talk to them about relationships and and what it what it takes and some of the differences that there there may be from a neurotypical relationship is that a pretty fair statement to um yeah i think i think it's fair i think what is crucially important for parents of someone on the spectrum to to really understand is that uh someone with asperger's uh, we we live our life through scripts um you get up in the morning you brush your teeth you take a shower you go to work that's all a, that's a, all a very well-defined script um, relationships have scripts too and someone on the spectrum isn't socially aware enough to build necessarily build those scripts for themselves so having someone who can um, model it for them or walk them through the the a courting script or a dating script um, so that they can while they they won't necessarily understand the nuances of everything that goes on they'll at least not step on too many toes while they're trying to dance the dance that's fair and that i think that would be helpful for parents to do um in any relationship uh neurotypical or or otherwise um be a good guide for their child so um no well i just i really appreciate your candid um your candid feedback and um just answering all of my questions i know it's um not always comfortable to to come on to a situation like this and where we can't even see each other and have a conversation um with someone that you don't know so i i appreciate that i think um the value that you added from a perspective of someone living with asperger's and very successfully functioning in the world and making a difference in all areas um, is, is great. And I just wanted to highlight that. I just think it's, it's phenomenal and I appreciate you so much. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, you too. All right, bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.